Hello, and welcome back to We Are the Weirdos, Mister, the podcast for all things cult, camp, queer, and creepy. I am your host, Hillary Michelle Post, and I am joined today by the incomparable Lacey Mason. How are you this evening, Lacey? I'm incomparable. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm good. That's good. I just got home from work, and I horked down half a pizza and poured a glass of wine, and now I'm ready to record. <laughs> Man, I never thought about booze. I always think about booze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, today, we are going to be talking about a movie that I feel edges closer and closer to a like a cult classic with each passing year. Um, we're going to be talking about Cruel Intentions. Uh, I love this movie. It's pure, undulterated trash. And as we know, that means Hillary is on board. Um, what do you think of Cruel Intentions? I like the way you put it, because I, I was struggling to write things down. Because I'm like, it's cheesy, but it's amazing at the same time. <laughs> and like, sometimes the delivery is too much for me, but everything they say is like gold. Mm-hmm. It has some of the best one-liners. Like, I love this movie. Now, I, I'm way too hormonal for Sebastian shit this week. I just am. <laughs> like, it made me feel some kind of way. But, in general, this is one of the best movies, like, ever. For real. Um, when did you first see it? Do you remember? No. I think I, feel... I was an adult. <laughs> I feel no, like I... I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I have probably first watched it, like, edited on TV, and it totally sucked. And it was forever until I saw an unedited full version of it but I don't think we saw it when it first came out did we no because he said it was 99 and I was like really so I'm I'm with you I probably never actually saw it so way later um so for anyone who doesn't know Cruel Intentions is a modern reimagining of the 1782 novel Dangerous Liaisons by Pierre Chaudelos de Laclos? Something French, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Dangerous Liaisons has been adapted a billion times uh, on stage and on screen, but most famously in the 1988 adaptation starring John Malkovich, Glenn Close, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer! Hold on one second. Baby, it's Michelle Pfeiffer! Oh, it's been killing me. I was like, <laughs> I was like Uma Thurman. I was naming off everybody, and I was like, I'm missing a girl. Who's the girl? Oh, I don't know. Like the main fucking character. It would have taken you two seconds to Google that. I know, but I don't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always sure that my brain will come through, and it just—you came through. That's awesome. <laughs> um, that is the adaptation that most people are familiar with. But in 1989, there was another film released called Valmont, um, starring Annette Benning, Colin Firth. Um, for a, a very young Feruza Balk plays the Cecile character. The Squeeze Me? I've never even heard about this. Yeah, I actually like it better than Dangerous Liaisons. Really? Because Dangerous Liaisons is pretty fucking good. I like Valmont better. It's trashier, I feel. Ooh. And John Malkovich gets on my nerves. <laughs> I'm kind of 
be up front. John Malkovich just always plays John Mal- Malkovich in every movie. And I think I would like to bring that up as we talk about Sebastian. <laughs> okay. Um, Cruel Intentions was originally an independent film. Um, but it was picked up by Columbia Pictures for wide release. The director and screenwriter, Roger Cumble, Cumble, I don't know, Cumble, I guess. Um, it's K-U-M-B-L-E. Cumble, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He wrote the script in only 12 days, and the film was shot over a period of six weeks. And apparently, it was originally entitled Cruel Inventions, but test audience hated it. Test audiences hated that, so they changed it, which makes no sense. Cruel Inventions doesn't even make sense. No. Like, I'm glad they changed it. Um, but yeah, that's there's not a lot of. I tried to do research on like the production of this film, and I have some trivia scattered throughout as we talk about the plot. But like for the most part, there's not a lot out there about this movie. Um. The one thing I will say about it, on top of just being an amazing movie, it has an amazing soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it must be noted that the film starts with my, my favorite song by one of my favorite bands. So that's always a good start. What is um, it? It's Every You, Every Me by Placebo. Oh, right, right. Yeah. That I is, just saw that in the credits and thought about you because I never really listened to that but I know you loved Placebo. Oh, I love Placebo. They just released a new album that I haven't listened to yet. I need to get on that. Um, t- small tangent about Placebo. They're like touring right now and at every show they're handing out little baggies for people to put their phones in because they don't want people to like film the concert. They want them to experience it. And Though I appreciate the sentiment at the same time, that's such an old man thing to do of them being like, eh, technology bad. <laughs> right. As if it's going to matter. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, I would do it if I was at a placebo concert. I'd be like, whatever you say. <laughs> I've been trying to do that more often. Like, don't worry about the phone. Live in the moment. Nobody gives a shit about your memory. Just focus. Yeah. I try to do that at concerts too, for the most part. Um, but yes, Every You, Every Me is where the movie begins. Um, the song plays over footage of, mainly it's just footage of uh, a cemetery, which is weird, but foreshadowing. Um, and we see our main character, Sebastian Belmont, driving to therapy in his 1956 Jaguar Roadster. I thought it was a 55. Whatever it is, it's it's hot. Whatever it is. pretty cool. Um, Sebastian gets to... We see him at his therapist, who's played by Susie Kurtz, who is also in Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, Um, yeah. Yeah. And... Sebastian is full of shit. I mean, you can even tell the way, just them, how he talks to her, that he's everything's coming out of his mouth is bullshit. Um, And she just thinks he's a schmuck. Um... But she gets a call from her daughter right when he leaves. And he, like, made a comment earlier about Susie Kurt's legs and how she has killer legs and how he wanted to photograph them. And then he leaves and 
she gets a call from Tara Reed, her daughter, who's crying and freaking out because her boyfriend, or who she thought was her boyfriend, posted, quote, nudie pictures of her online. And said, he said, he was so charming. He said, I had killer legs. We want to photograph them. So she immediately knows who it was. And she runs out of the office down the hall and is like pounding on the glass and yelling at Sebastian. And is it just me or is this therapy office in a mall? Yeah, what's that about? Yeah, it's like, like you're going to an overpriced that's the whole thing. Like she was overcharging me, so fuck her and fuck her daughter. But yeah. in a mall, you're going to an overpriced therapist? I mean, it must be like some type of business apex center thing, but it just looks like a mall. <laughs> and he's like down in the lob the I don't know, the atrium or whatever. As she yells at him through the glass and he picks up a girl named Cl- Clarissa and goes off with her. I mean, I know that Ryan Phillippe is charming and very handsome, but I wouldn't just like some rando. <laughs> he was just like, hi, you're gorgeous. You want to get lunch? She'd be like, um, can I have your name? Maybe <laughs> they walk off holding hands and it's like, you just met this fucking guy. What is wrong with you? Haven't you ever experienced that though like a guy that was so friggin gorgeous that you just lost a complete control of all reason no no I have not because I, I don't fuck you I up don't. it will fuck you <laughs> up especially when you have the self esteem of a fucking ant and this gorgeous guy's like hey baby I'm like yes you don't think about anything else you're going to fucking lunch with this guy fuck it I'm just so untrusting of men. I can, there are women that I've seen that could have done that to me. Yes. But men, I'm just like, you're probably a serial killer. Fuck you. I don't care how beautiful you are. (laughs) I'm going to end up in that trunk. So we see Sebastian driving home and (laughs) he drives like a fucking asshole. You see that fucking Yui he pops in the middle of like four lanes of traffic. Mm -hmm. What a dick. And pulls up in front of their, like, castle-like mansion in Manhattan. And um, a meter maid guy is just like, you can't park here, sir. And he just disregards him. I'm like, how does he not get his car fucking towed? You never see him talk about getting tickets or anything. He's just like, I'm going to park wherever I want. Because it doesn't cost. He doesn't give a shit. A $500 ticket in impound ain't nothing to him. That's here. true. Must be nice to be it's also right in front of his house. He should be able to park there if he wants to. You think? Yeah. Um, we go we go inside the house, the Valmont house, and we see Sebastian's stepsister, Catherine. She is having a little get-together with um, Cecile Caldwell and her mother. Cecile's played by, um, well, Catherine is played by Sarah Michelle Gellar. Cecile is played by Selma Blair, and Cecile's mother is played by Christina Bransky. Is it Christina or Christine Bransky? Christine. Christine. Christine Bransky. This movie is just full of hot. My God. Oh, yeah. I, I messaged that last night to my friend while I was watching it. I was just like, God damn, this movie has so many hot women in it. <laughs> um, Mom and I started watching Euphoria, and it's pretty fucking dumb but everyone in it is so beautiful it's just like a shit ton of beautiful women I'm like okay we'll, <laughs> we'll roll with it 
you could see Zendaya in a tuxedo, you're just like, yep, I'm on board. Oh, yeah. Um, but so <laughs> let's talk about Summer Blair for a minute. So for legal reasons, writer and director Roger Cumble <laughs> had to ask all of the actresses auditioning for Cecile how old they were because of the sex scenes between the characters in the movie. And um, he said, so we were bringing in all these people and they were all good. But I remember Selma came in and uh, I said, how old are you? And she goes, how old are you? (laughs) (laughs) And she was just so obnoxious that I couldn't get her out of my head. (laughs) Um, And Selma Blair is so good in this movie. She's so funny. And just like unbridledly obnoxious. Oh, yeah. Oh, so funny. That being said, Selma Blair is older than fucking everybody in this movie. And you can tell. Oh, yeah. Like, so it, it, I'm glad they didn't have someone that looked super young because it would made it would have made it creepier. Um, but she reads is so old that she just you're it's almost so like, is she, yeah, but you're like, is she just meant like just. Is she challenged? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You said it, not me. Yep. Yeah. I actually think that that's kind of what I thought the first yeah. time I watched this movie. Yeah. Because in reality, it's like she's a freshman or whatever who's never had been to like a co-educational school or anything. She's just really sheltered and young. Oh, but like, She never went to school with boys. Yeah. But Selma Blair being fucking older than everybody else, you're just like, okay, she's a little special. <laughs> she's so funny. She's really funny in it. Um, so is Christine Baritsky. Um And they're talking to Catherine. Basically, she wants to Catherine to take Cecile under her wing. And um, Catherine's talking about how because Catherine's like the president of the school board and like is just really popular and has her shit together seemingly. And um, she says that whenever peer pressure gets to her, she turns to God and he helps her along the way. She has this elaborate crucifix that I love, by the way. Oh yeah. A crucifix is rad. Um, but she, <laughs> Since she's Cecile's never been in co-ed school before, she asks about the boys. And Catherine's like, well, most of the boys that matriculated to Manchester are fine, but there are a few bad apples. And Christine's like, like your stepbrother, Sebastian. <laughs> and like Sebastian shows up right on cue. And I love it because when he talks to her, he like goes and screams in her ear like she's old and hard of hearing. <laughs> like, hello, Mrs. Caldwell. <laughs> Um, and he comments on Cecile's shirt. She's wearing like this little cartoon koala bear shirt, and she's like, "Thanks, my dad got it for me in Australia." And she has on this little skirt, and her legs are all hanging open because she's an idiot. And he's like, he looks up her skirt. He's like, "How are things down under?" How are things down under? (laughs) (laughs) And Mrs. Caldwell like makes her close her legs, and um. They like take. They leave, and I love her line. Do you? Did you hear her line when she leaves? What she says to Cecile? 
something I can't remember about. We're not, we're, we're not somewhere. Yeah, she's like, keep your legs together. This is in Jamaica. Jamaica, that's what it was. Oh God! Um, yeah, Mrs. Caldwell is racist. <laughs> we'll get more into that later. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love this. this. Is my favorite outfit in the whole movie. There's some great clothes in this, but Catherine's outfit is amazing. When they leave, she like unbuttons her. She's our shardy looks amazing. She's in like this black suit with this um, long line um, blazer. But she unbuttons it, and underneath she has on, like, this corset. Oh, my God. She looks so hot. Uh-huh. Love it. I am um, Team Catherine. To the end, I am Team Catherine. Me, too. I feel like an asshole, but, like, I mean, yeah, we'll get there. I mean, things get out of hand, but for the most part, I'm just like, yeah, don't blame her. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. Um, this is my favorite Sarah Michelle Gellar role. Hands down, of all time. Better than Buffy, better than any... I love it. Um, did you ever watch Buffy? No, not a fan. Mm. I tried, but I... Yeah. I liked I don't it. don't really care for her. Like, she's so... In this movie, she's everything. But everything else for me has just been this. Yeah. I don't know. I like her in some other things, too. But, yeah, for the most part, this is a big standout. Um, And... She uh, takes out her crucifix and unscrews the end, and she has it's like where she holds her coke. Oh my god, no, drugs are bad, kids, but that is iconic. <laughs> it's so fucking cool. I've never done coke, and I never will do coke, but man, she makes it look cool. <laughs> tiny little spoon, would you get that tiny little spoon? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh. If, if I did do coke, I would do it like that. I would have some elaborate piece of jewelry that I hid it in. Oh hell yeah! No, I have a no. I'd have a giant. I've never done coke either, Mom. I swear to God. But I would have a giant jewel encrusted fingernail. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, Catherine and Sebastian trade barbs about each other's parents. Um, to establish their that they're step siblings and. They don't like each other's parents at all. Their parents aren't around ever. No, ever. <laughs> yeah, they say where they're at, but I don't remember. They're off somewhere. And this is like towards the end of summer is when all this takes place. Before what I'm going to assume is their senior year. I hope yeah. these are all 17, 18 year old people. Yeah. Um, and they talk about Catherine's ex, Court Reynolds. <laughs> which Sebastian refers to as that Nazi that broke up with her over 4th of July. <laughs> um, so Court broke up with the Catherine, which chaps Catherine's ass. And she hears through the grapevine that Court has a thing for Cecile. So Catherine is going to corrupt Cecile to ruin her for Court as revenge towards Court. And, um, Sebastian's just like, why don't you just go directly for court? And she's like, because it'd be traced back to me. This is, she's smart. It's elaborate. It's evasive and it's not, you know, mm-hmm. you ruin Cecile and it just ruins court's fun. Yeah. Um, and she propositions Sebastian to help her corrupt Cecile, but he 
he's like, no, that's boring. I'm sick of Manhattan debutantes. And they're just, he says, nothing shocks them anymore. And um, he has his eyes on a different conquest. Um, tell them about Annette. Oh, I didn't know there'd be tests. <laughs> <laughs> Annette is me in high school, totally. <laughs> is what? I lied. I said Annette's totally me in high school. Oh, bitch. Oh, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> How is she not? Uh, <laughs> let me count the ways. <laughs> she's cute. She's rich. She's a virgin. She's the... <laughs> She's the daughter of the guy who's going to be the dean of the school, like the next coming or the coming year. Mm-hmm. And she is, uh, I don't know why she's in a magazine. I guess I never figured that out. But she is in an article saying that she wants to be a virgin until she gets married because she wants it to be real and it's love. And kids just don't know love and you shouldn't do all that stuff until you're ready. And she's pretty much the perfect pretty little girl next door. Reese Witherspoon, young and round pie face. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure she's pregnant. She's not. That was trivia that I, that's a, there's been a long running rumor that she was pregnant during this, but she wasn't. She was pregnant during the press tour that they did. I, my life is a lie. My life is a lie. <laughs> I put, and I even pinpoint, I'm like, she looks pregnant there. She looks pregnant there. Sorry, Reese, you're not pregnant. Okay. I always I always thought that this is how they met, but they were already together. Like they um the director had cast Ryan first and Columbia Pictures really wanted um oh fuck, what's her name? God damn it. Um Katie Holmes. And the director didn't like no, yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, the director did not like Katie Holmes for it. And he, like, convinced Ryan to bring Reese out to dinner with them so that he could beg Reese to be in the movie. And I think he even says to her, he's like, it'll only take, you only have to work for like 15 days. Please do it. So she, it did, she's barely in the movie, really. She's Excuse me. <laughs> she could have done the other girl, maybe. No, fuck that. I hate Katie Holmes. I don't like Katie Holmes either. Ugh. There's. One movie that I like her in, and she dies in like the first act. <laughs> She's just like a ghost and a corpse the rest of the movie, and I'm just like, yeah, that's good. Um. So yes, Sebastian, his he has his eyes on correcting Annette because he thinks it would be a fun challenge, and um, he mentions going to write in his journal. He has this beloved journal that he writes all of his escapades in. And um, Catherine makes fun of him for it. I think she says something like, could you be more queer? Yeah, could you be more queer? (laughs) Could you be more desperate to read it? (laughs) Um, They go to their separate rooms for a minute. Which, sidebar, Catherine's room is fucking amazing. Everything in this place is amazing. The her blue walls though, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. So um 
apparently the townhouse interiors were all built and shot on a soundstage in Los Angeles and all the exteriors were filmed in New York. So they filmed all over the place. Um, but Catherine, I, th- I think it's Catherine's idea, wagers a bet. Yeah, it's Catherine's idea. Wages a bet with Sebastian and says, if you can nail Annette, if you try to nail Annette, if you lose, you have to give me your Jaguar. If you win, we'll have sex because they haven't. And she's like the only person he hasn't nailed. And he's kind of obsessed with her. And frankly, they deserve each other. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they just... I find it really hard to believe that they never. I know. But it Um, gives her a lot of power. Yeah. And he even, like, he tries to play it cool at first. He's just like, that's a fucking 56 uh, Roadster. Like, I'm not... What would make you even think I would take that bet? And she's like, because I'm the one person you can't have and it drives you insane. And she's right. So they placed their bet. Oh, and I forgot to mention the reason this is extra handy is, you know, Catherine even says, she's like, this girl's in Kansas City. How too bad she's in Kansas City. Is Like Lacey said, she's going to be, she's the new headmaster's daughter, but she's also spending the rest of the summer at Sebastian's aunt's, Aunt Helen's house. Because Aunt Helen has connections with the school and, I don't know, rich people all know each other. Um, so the next day, Sebastian goes to his Aunt Helen's place and meets Annette. And um, like Lacey said, she's virginal, sweet, round-faced Reese Witherspoon. And even in the costuming, they like always dress her in bright white light collars and always have Sebastian in darker collars to contrast, you know, how opposite they are. Um, I've noticed that today. I've never really noticed that before. Yeah. It's smart. It's the same thing with Catherine. Catherine's always in dark colors, too. Um, where was I? Oh. So, he, he kind of negs her. Not kind of. He straight up negs her when they first meet. He, like, makes fun of her manifesto and, like... You know, how can you judge something you've never done? And she's like, I don't judge people for it. I just don't want to do it, you know? And, uh, Are you a lesbian? Oh, I forgot he asks her that. Jesus. Uh-huh. What a douche. Why do, why do you guys think the negging thing works? Who does that work on? Uh, spoiler alert. Everybody. False. <laughs> You're, you don't count. You don't count. You don't fall for the dumbass men shit like 99% of us do. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but I don't it, know. I I think that only works on hot girls. Because they're so used to getting their asses kissed that yeah. when they don't, it gets their attention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't really work this time. It doesn't work on Annette, really. I mean, I think she's intrigued by him, but she even says, because when he makes a shitty comment about the manifesto, she doesn't get offended. She's just genuinely surprised. She's like, most people 
like applaud me for it and he's like well not me so i do think it gets her attention a little bit mm-hmm. um so <laughs> the next scene we meet ronald who is cecile's uh cello instructor and he is played by what the fuck is that guy's name oh <laughs> don't ask me I don't remember. I didn't write it down. Sean Patrick Thomas? Yeah. Is yeah. that it? Yeah. Is he the guy from um, yeah. Save the Last Dance? Yeah. Okay. Thank God. Because if he wasn't, I was so I was just ready for you to be like, why, Hillary, do they all look the same to you? <laughs> I would never say that because I, I make too many blunders like that. And I always feel <laughs> that way. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, in my defense more often than not is white people i'm just like i don't know it's a fucking white guy <laughs> yeah i'm like that with everybody i don't um but it's <laughs> cecile said he's at pre-juilliard which i don't know what that means um i don't know if that's like means he's an undergrad somewhere and is going to go to juilliard as a grad student i don't know if that means he's like just an older in high school the the, the age of Ronald is never really established. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a thing for each other, Cecile and Ronald. Um, <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention in the Annette scene, I took really shitty notes. Like Lacey, Lacey said the same thing. She's like, this isn't a note-taking movie. You just kind of watch it and let it wash over you. <laughs> so my notes are all disjointed. Um, but Annette makes a when Annette and Sebastian first meet she says that a friend of hers wrote her a letter warning her about Sebastian so Sebastian has his panties all in a twist about it and he goes to his friend Blaine's house Blaine's a drug dealer he's sitting at a table uh, with filling Fiddling and weighing a bunch of weed, which I've literally never noticed that's what he was doing until this last time I watched it. <laughs> Why is that? Because me too. I'm like, I don't, I've never really clearly ever seen this movie. I, th- I think we're just too distracted by blonde gay Joshua Jackson to, to focus on what he's doing. Oh, I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> he's so great in this movie. He's not in it much, but he's very good. Bleach blonde hair, very femme. It's, it's all good. Man's got a mouth like a Hoover. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Sebastian is venting and trying to figure out who could have written this letter to Annette. And um, Blaine points out that Greg McConnell is originally from Kansas City. Which, why is all these Kansas City people moving to Manhattan? Whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And conveniently... Blaine and the this jock Greg like hook up on the DL because Greg is like a football player and he's all masculine and stupid. Um, so Sebastian is like, set up a meeting with Greg and I will crash it and call him out and about the letter. He's like, at midnight, I'll come by. So he calls, and we see Greg in his dorm room at, at um, Manchester Prep, 
and he's in there with a couple other jocks and he's talking about something. Where did you did you rent this movie on Amazon? YouTube. On YouTube? Okay. I don't know if it was if it's like this on every copy of the movie, but they literally blur out the shit on his walls. Did you notice this? I don't remember anything being blurred, no. But I don't remember what I saw on the walls, so I guess he, he must have originally had like some nudie pictures or something up on the walls and they blurred them. Which is dumb because the movie is already rated R. Who cares? Yeah. But yeah, shit was straight up blurred on his walls. But I love it. <laughs> Blaine calls and he's like, Gregory? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, So he sets up his date. Um, Meanwhile, um, Catherine and Cecile go out on a picnic together. And this is like the most quote unquote iconic scene of the movie. It was parodied and won MTV Movie Awards and was like a big thing. Um, Cecile's never kissed anyone before. And so Catherine convinces her to practice kissing on her. And they like make out. And I know that this was very formative to a lot of young people. And but as a queer girl, it never did anything for me. Too close up. Yeah, it's just kind of gross. Um, too much tongue. Um, Selma Blair, whose character is supposed to be the one learning how to French kiss, is the one who's like using too much tongue. Yeah, she's leading. Yeah, she's leading it totally. And there's that iconic little piece of spit that like connects <laughs> her. It's so gross. I'm just I, I don't. It doesn't do anything for me. My guy friend was like. My guy friend was like, I used to watch that scene over and over again. He's like, that was very formative to my <laughs> my young years. I was like, yep, yeah, not for me. And apparently to this day, it's still edited out of a lot of, in a lot of places, which is so dumb. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Cecile reveals that she has feelings for Ronald. Ronald has feelings for her and he has written her love letters that she hides in her dollhouse. So Catherine is like, you know, bingo, I'll corrupt her through Ronald. I'll get, you know, set her and Ronald up and that will, you know, take all the fun out of the whole court thing. Because court is like, we don't see much of court. We see him in like one flashback, but he's mentioned a lot. Like he's pursuing Cecile is trying to get him, her to come and visit him and go away with him uh, over Labor Day or whatever. Um, so Catherine's going to focus on Ronald. Um, so Sebastian and Annette are staying at Aunt Helen's house and it has a built-in sound system in all the rooms and Sebastian starts blasting, uh, classical music and Annette tracks him down, finds out where he is. He's in the, um, indoor pool room, which is so rad. I would kill for an indoor pool. I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave that room. I know. Right. Oh my God. I would live in, like, a one-room shack if it connected to it was an indoor pool. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's like, you know, this music is blaring in every room of the house. And he's like, no, just your room. I thought you'd like it. I'm like, yeah, okay. You're obnoxious. Um, and he gives her a, a gift. It's a new leather book bag with her name engraved on this little plate on the front. It's really cute. And um, 
he asks her to join him for a swim. And, like, she goes to change. And Catherine calls Sebastian on his cell phone. And she's, like, immediately, she's like, you fuck her yet? And he's like, working on it. (laughs) And then she changes into her bathing suit and comes back. And he's standing in the room naked. We get to see Ryan Phillippe's butt. And she sees... No, it's not that, but and she, I guess, sees everything. Um, and I guess there's also a deleted scene in this movie that reveals that later when he gets out of the pool, he never did put trunks on, he just dove in the pool naked. So that whole scene, he's with her, he's his dick's out. I always made that assumption, yeah. I mean, he says to her, Can you turn around so I can put my swimsuit on? So, but it, he says it, and as he comes out of his mouth, he's in the water. Yeah. So I knew it was bullshit. Yeah. And poor poor uh, Annette is like covering her eyes and she's like, oh, it's so embarrassing. It, uh, you know he did that on purpose. Why would that be embarrassing? You'd just be like, you fuck, fucking put some pants on. <laughs> but again, I'm not falling for his bullshit as apparently everyone else does. <laughs> um, so they're in the pool together and they talk more about the letter. That was written about him. And he tries to get her to admit who wrote it. And she won't. And, um, you know, he's making passes at her. And she's like, I have a boyfriend. And he's like backpacking through Europe. His name's Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> They're always named Trevor, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, she tells... She up tells Sebastian the closest thing that she he can expect out of her would be a friendship. And it's walking a fine line at that, that, you know, that's probably not even going to happen because he's being so pushy. So she gets out of the pool and leaves him there. And um, so he gets ready to go to Blaine's house. And walks in on Blaine and Greg fooling around and take some pictures to blackmail him with and he's like you wrote to Annette Hargrove ratting me out and oh I just had a brain fart what happens oh (laughs) Blaine is like you know on second thought he can barely like what's he say Write a grocery list. Yeah, he takes it back like right now, like, ah, he probably didn't do it. Yeah. So Blaine's just a bitch. Gotta love him. And so Greg wasn't the one that wrote the letter, but he convinces him because he has this, you know, evidence that he's gay to at least talk to Annette on his behalf. And find out who did write the letter. So. Greg. Like hangs out with Annette. And they've apparently known each other forever. Which is very convenient. Um, Kansas City is not that big I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and. He like blows a bunch of smoke up her ass. About how great Sebastian is. And she admits to him. That it was. Cecile Caldwell's mom. Christine Bransky. Who wrote the letter. Warning her about Sebastian. So Sebastian's pissed. And he goes home 
and Catherine is sitting there watching how she has like video footage of Ronald and Cecile together. I have no idea. They never established this. She's just inexplicably has a videotape of one of their um, like sessions, music sessions. Yeah, I'd love to know the answer to that question. <laughs> Was she really like, okay, Cecile, now set up this hidden camera so I can watch you two together. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. But Cecile's a God lover is a fucking idiot and she's like just rambling on and he and does a handstand right in front of him and like <laughs> basically puts her vagina in his face and his expression is so funny <laughs> he's just like whoa but you have to wonder this pre Juilliard really handsome older guy like it'd be one thing if he's like yeah I want to nail her but he like loves Cecile and I why? I don't know. Make it make sense. <laughs> um, but they like end their session for the day, and Cecile's like, she like hits her chest. She's like, peace out. Oh, that sends me flying every time. <laughs> She's so dumb. Oh god. Um, so Catherine's disgusted. She's like, fucking idiot. <laughs> and she turns the tape off and Sebastian tells her that he will help with the whole Cecile corrupting to get back to Mrs. Caldwell because he's pissed at her, obviously. So they conduct the plan that they are going to, Catherine is going to rat Cecile and Ronald out to Mrs. Caldwell to make a more of a you know, star-crossed lovers scenario that they that they will then help them like conduct under Mrs. Caldwell's nose. It's all so elaborate and so not necessary. Like, no, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, if all you want to do is corrupt Cecile, then Sebastian could just corrupt Cecile. They don't right need the whole Ronald thing. It doesn't make any sense. They just like fucking with people. Yeah, that I guess. Much. And Catherine also wants to fuck Ronald, so she's getting him in her circle. It's so weird. <laughs> um, so they're, while they're conducting this whole plan, um, Catherine sits in Sebastian's lap and starts, like, rubbing his dick and gets him all worked up and it's all gross. Ugh, straight people. Um, <laughs> and, Yay! I get it. Sorry. <laughs> it's just the whole scene is so sleazy. It's so gross. It is, and it's like, okay, what? He just acts so shocked, like that she doesn't. She starts something she's not going to finish. Like, right? Because she hasn't yet. So it makes me think she's going to this time. Right. Totally. But she does. She just like teases him and then leaves him hanging, and he's like, "Come on!" It's like. Why are you surprised? <laughs> He's so dumb. Um, let's see. What happens next? Oh, Sebastian calls Annette and asks her to go hang out with him, which she agrees to. Um, apparently, there's a deleted scene here that reveals when he gets off the phone that he has two cheerleaders in his bed while he was talking to Annette on the phone. What? 
Yeah, and they cut that scene, but apparently, if you look closely, you can see them in the reflection of a mirror in the room. Huh. Yeah, which I've never noticed before. And I've seen this movie a million times. But I just gotta take the internet's word for it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna rewind it to, to find that spot. I'll just take their word for it. Um, so Catherine, Sebastian and Annette go out, like, not on, like, a date, but they go and hang out together. Um, Catherine arranges to meet with Mrs. Caldwell and tells her about Cecile and Ronald and about where the love letters are hidden. And I guess... Christine Baranski is just racist. Like, she just has a problem with him being black. That's clear. She says, I got you off the streets. He's like, uh, <laughs> I live at 59 of Clark. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I, but seem, I don't understand. I wonder if he really is a lot older than Cecile. Because there has to be some other pretense of outrage other than the fact that he's just black. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe he is, like, a lot older. Who knows? Um, now, I had to, like, research to see if I was crazy, but I've, the TV version, this scene ends differently. The scene between Catherine and Mrs. Caldwell. And the TV version... Mrs. Caldwell pays for the dress that Catherine is looking at at the beginning of the scene because then Catherine is then wearing that dress in subsequent scenes. I don't know why that's only in the TV version, but I remember it happening. And then when it didn't happen, when I was watching it, I thought I was crazy. But then I looked it up and like, no, it's on the TV version. So whatever. Um, so... <laughs> Like Lacey said, Mrs. Caldwell confronts Ronald. He's like, I took you off the streets. <laughs> this is how you repay me. And he's like, bitch, you're crazy. And she's like, don't give me that racist crap. My husband and I gave money to Colin, to Colin Powell. Colin Powell. We donated to Colin Powell. Come on. <laughs> oh, God. That's such bullshit. She's so dumb. Um, So Ronald, you know, gets kicked out. And is met by Catherine and Sebastian, who are there to help. And, you know, they're like, you should write her another letter. And he's like, how am I supposed to do that? Like, she doesn't have her own private phone line. He's like, I could email her. <laughs> and But she doesn't have an email address. And Sebastian is like, Ronald, email is for geeks and pedophiles. <laughs> <laughs> Which is such a 1999 thing to say. Uh-huh. Um. But, you know, Ronald gets suspicious, and reasonably so. He's like, why are you guys helping? Because they're acting so shady, too. Like, their their smiles are so fake. Oh, yeah, just, like, looking at each other, and it's weird. And, like, talking at the same time. Like, <laughs> it's just very... He's very right to be like, why are you doing this? And they never really do give a, him a good reason. They're just like, because we want to... Because we love Cecile and we want to help her. Yeah, okay. So, Ronald goes into Catherine's room for some privacy so that he can write uh, Cecile another love letter. Um, can you tell us a little bit about Catherine's speech in this scene? I cannot. 
<laughs> well, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> I just felt like I've been rambling on for a while and then you haven't got a chance to talk. So I just felt like you were calling me out. Are you still paying attention to the back of the class? <laughs> Yes, Miss Pose. <laughs> no, but you, people want to hear from you more than me. You're the funny one. I'm just sitting here rambling on about the movie. But I legit have no fucking idea what you're talking about. Okay, so at this point, Sebastian is starting to get a little bit of a conscious. And he's like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, do you really want to destroy this girl? And Catherine gives this great speech. Where she's like, you know, it's not fair that I, because I'm confident and enjoy sex, have to pretend to be someone I'm not, constantly get shit on by guys, and get dumped for airhead little idiots like Cecile. Oh, right, right. And she's talking about how she's always acting like Marsha Brady and shit. Yeah, like I have to be, I'm Marsha fucking Brady of the Upper East Side, and sometimes I want to kill myself. Um, I love that speech because I, I mean, I can't, I can't say I sympathize because I don't know what that's like, but I empathize. Like, I can understand how frustrating that would be to be such a competent, confident, sexy, sex positive person and everyone just shitting on you and being like oh with this stupid little airheaded virgin instead like that's oh not... yeah yeah um so Sebastian and Catherine call Cecile it's so funny they're like you can hear her crying on the other end they're like okay, stop crying <laughs> <laughs> she, you can't even understand what she's, she's like Aah! um but they have Cecile come over to Sebastian's room that night to um, she puts a doll in her bed and she sneaks out because she's in trouble. So she sneaks out and goes to Sebastian and writes Ronald love letter, which Sebastian promptly throws away behind her back um, and gives her a Long Island iced tea. So she is a little loopy. Excuse me. Whew. That's what get you get for horking down half a pizza. <laughs> um, but he starts taking pictures of her. And he's like, it's a shame that you're not sexy. <laughs> She's like, I can be sexy. <laughs> 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 and she like starts posing sexy. And just like the a way you imagine like a little kid would. Not really knowing what that means. What she imagines in her head. She's arched her back and striking all these stupid poses. And he um, gets her to get up off the bed and he unzips her hoodie. So she's just there in a bra. Which, who wears a zip-up hoodie with nothing underneath? I think that would be itchy. Yeah, it'd be uncomfortable. Anyway. Um, so he starts... He tries to convince her to take off all of her clothes. And she's like, no, I don't think so. And long story short, he coer- coerces her into letting him go down on her. And she by, doesn't even know what that means. By saying he's going to tell her mommy on her. And she's like, no, please, I'll do whatever you want. I'm like, oh my god, this is weird. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's very twisted. And he's like, I just want to give you a kiss. And she's like, okay. And he's like, takes off her pants. And she's like, what? 
And he's like, I didn't say where. I was going to give you a kiss. It's so creepy. Ugh. But I guess it's better that he does something for her instead of, like, forcing her to do something to him. I agree. Yeah. So it's, like, slightly less creepy. It's still creepy, but it's a little better. Um, the next day, <laughs> Christine Bransky goes in to wake her up. And she comes in from the other... From the, I guess she's just, just now getting home and her hair's all fucked up and <laughs> she's all disheveled. She's like, oh my god, where have you been? She's like, shopping? <laughs> so she, uh, she's like, you gotta get ready, you're gonna go to, um, I can't, I think her name's like Rosem- Rosemond or something like that, but it's Aunt Helen's house. So Cecile is like having brunch with Annette at Aunt Helen's house and Sebastian shows up and like makes a lewd gesture behind everyone's back to Cecile and it freaks Cecile out. She like spits out her food and runs away. And Annette is like, she's very odd. She's like, yeah. <laughs> Goes without saying. Um, but Aunt Helen gets a call that a couple of the volunteers at the nursing home that she volunteers at had to back out. But Aunt Helen can't take their place because she has theater tickets. So she basically volunteers um, Annette and Sebastian to go in her place. And Sebastian clearly doesn't want to go, but he's doing it to be with Annette. And Annette gets given to some little old man. And he goes to Mrs. Sugarman who clearly has problems with memory. So he just tells her some bullshit. Like, he's, she's talking to him, and he's like, you already told me that, Mrs. Sugarman. <laughs> she's like, I did? And he's like, yeah, after we played backgammon. You beat me three times. <laughs> and she's like, oh, that, that's so great. And the nurse and Annette come in, and she's like, we played backgammon. I won three times. Poor little Miss Sugar- Mrs. Sugarman. Wasn't that the lady from Sesame Street? I don't the know. Nurse. Is she the nurse? Yeah. The nurse? Oh, I don't yeah. know. Maybe. Yeah. Maria. Not Maria. No, not Maria. So say uh, Maria is the Latina lady. Yeah. Shit. It'll it'll come to me at like two o'clock in the morning. I'll sit up and be like, <laughs> I remember her name. Speaking of which, didn't like Louise from um since Sesame Street die recently? Yeah. He was like a million years old. Mm-hmm. Said. Gordon and Mm. oh shit I don't know we'll get it later so afterwards Annette and Sebastian are in Sebastian's car and at first he like tries to bullshit her and to thinking that he had fun but she can see right through him and she's like it's okay if you didn't have fun and he's like I was bored to tears um but she makes him laugh she makes goofy faces and makes him laugh and they end up holding hands in the car that's my favorite scene in the whole movie, I think. Really? Yes, yeah, because her faces kill me, and I just, <laughs> I don't know. Like, if I were to fall in love with somebody, that would have been the moment I probably would have. Yeah. And they have such great chemistry, because obviously they were together in real they life really for a long time. They, they really I was do. so bummed when they broke up in real life. I was like, God damn. They were like a Hollywood institution, and they broke up. They made pretty kids. <laughs> They look just like her. They're plucked directly out of her asshole. <laughs> yeah. Her daughter looks exactly like her. It's creepy. 
Um, but Catherine goes to Cecile and calms her down about Sebastian and because she's all freaked out over what happened. And he's like, she was like, did he force you to do something? And she's like, not exactly. And she describes what he did. And she's like, so he went down on you. And she's like, I guess, because <laughs> she has no clue. And she describes what it was like. And she's like, you had a, an orgasm. Which I, the older I get, the more I learn that there are women who make it all the way into adulthood without ever having an orgasm. Even self-inflicted. And that blows my fucking mind. And see, it doesn't blow my mind to think that somebody else couldn't. Right, that but doesn't either. Think that you couldn't? Oh, wow. Yeah, like, just the other day I was listening to a podcast. And um, it's two girls who are, like, in their mid to late 20s. And they said that they never even masturbated till college. I'm like, are you? What the fuck? What? <laughs> <laughs> the hell's the matter people are just weird and repressed in ways that i can't fathom so the idea that like this 14 15 16 year old girl or whatever has never had an orgasm is weird to me but i guess is normal i guess i guess um and Catherine encourages cecile to have as much sex as possible because it'll like give her practice for Ronald and she's like well wouldn't that make me a slut <laughs> and Catherine's like Cecile everybody does it we just don't talk about it she's like like a secret society <laughs> she's like, sure that's one way of looking at it and she's like dancing around <laughs> she's like secret society <laughs> <laughs> she's such an idiot um Cecile so, was me when I was 14 and found the bottle of 99 bananas <laughs> Oh God! No, I've I've seen drunk Lisa. Even she's not Cecile level. That's good to know. <laughs> so, from Catherine's encouragement, Cecile ends up having sex with Sebastian. And afterwards, they're like laying in bed. He's writing in his beloved journal. She's eating cherries and being obnoxious, and she like she makes like another pass at him and he just, just completely shoves her off the bed it's such a good pratfall oh best pratfall she goes flying off that bed <laughs> and he's like I'm gonna take a shower and she's like well, can I come he's like no she's like what a blow job and he's like good night Cecile <laughs> <laughs> so they've created a monster I um, love it when she's like I don't like you either and she like blows her breath in his face. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> She's something else, man. All the awards to Selma Blair. <laughs> um, so the next day they're all at Aunt Helen's estate still. And um, Annette is outside reading a book. And Sebastian is like spying on her through. Are they looking through binoculars or telescope or something? I don't binoculars. That. Binoculars. Yeah. And um, Catherine and Sebastian are watching her, and Catherine's making fun of Annette, and it really gets under Sebastian's skin. 
And um, so you, Catherine, we can, the audience can tell that Catherine can tell that he's like starting to get feelings for her. And so she gets on, you know, riles him up and she's like, can I, um, you know, take a ride in my, what will be my Jaguar? And he's like, Catherine, the only thing you'll be riding is me. And so he storms out and goes out to CNN and um, like kisses her on the cheek. Like they greet each other in French and he kisses her on the cheek and then um, they start kissing for real. And there's some like weird. um, What's the word? Oh, shit. I didn't even have that much wine and I've forgotten words. What's the word for, like, when shit is clearly filmed out of order or there's, like, a mistake? Continuity? Continuity! Thank you! There's some continuity errors because of what they're wearing. They're wearing, like, the same thing they were wearing on a different day. Did you notice this? Yes, I did, actually. Yeah, it bugs me. Um, So, it's hard to tell what the timeline is, what the original timeline was meant to be in terms of their day out together to now when they're like making out, but they start making out and he like goes to lay her down and she pushes, pushes him off of her and they get into this big fight. And, um, it's again, it's so juvenile and stupid because he's basically like, like throwing a tantrum because she won't put out and she's fucking falling for it. And he's like, why can't we be together? And she's like, because I don't trust myself with you. And then she storms off. And then that night he goes to her room and tells her that he's going to leave and basically like manipulates her into putting out. And it's so transparent. I can't, I just, it, my note literally says she is fucking dumb. Like the fact that this works. Oh, I know. I think that a lot, but I just seriously can't believe you've never been in a scenario like this before. Like, in your whole life. Because your brain is telling you one thing. Your brain is saying, are you fucking hearing this? And your vagina's down here going, I don't care! We don't (laughs) care! Yeah, I made it all the way through high school uh, and maintained a virgin because I... That just never happened to me. I just... I don't know. I don't know. I was <laughs> poor Brandon. I was talking about that the other day. I was like, man. I was like, do you remember Zach Moore? And he was like, dude, he was good looking. I'm like, right, right. Because <laughs> he didn't go to our school, so I didn't think he would remember him. But they played basketball together, and he was like, that was a good. He was a cowboy. I was like, I fucking know. I'm like, <laughs> and when he looked at me, I just lost all. Everything didn't matter. Didn't know my name. Didn't care. <laughs> it's just like that. It just, there's just a chemistry, and your brain just—it doesn't matter what your brain's telling you. It's so stupid. I guess, but we also weren't like. <laughs> but we also weren't like Annette. You know what I mean? Annette has is supposedly has all these scruples 
that she's so passionate about that she got published in 17 magazines. I over had it. scruples when I was younger. Ish. <laughs> yeah, but we weren't like, we're going to stay virgins for God. Like, it wasn't like that with us. If no. anything, we were like, we're going to stay virgins so we don't get knocked up like our mom did. Oh, but, that, like, was <laughs> that was totally me. I don't want to get pregnant. Fuck that shit. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that kind of stuff happened to me later in life when I didn't think it was even possible to make a stupid decision. Like, you just don't know when it's going to happen to you. Because I didn't, I mean, with the exception of, like, one or two good-looking dudes in high school, like, most of my dumb ass shit happened. Yay! There you go. <laughs> well, maybe I'm being too hard on Annette, but... No, I don't think you are, because she is kind of a hot chick. And I yeah. feel like being who she is, she probably has people act like that with her all the time. Yeah. I didn't. So I'm like, oh, jump on this train. Who knows if that's ever going to happen again? <laughs> and guess what? It fucking didn't ever happen again. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, and um, a dumbass. Yeah. And she, like, goes to take off her pajamas and basically give herself to Sebastian and he gets him conscious and runs away he's like I can't do this and leaves which good for him I don't see it doesn't it last way, but no. good for him. I don't see it that way at all I mean I guess because that's how the story is being told but like that would just be another manipulation he would do to get her panties even wetter because now she thinks she can't have it so now she has to have it it's all just a part of the game do you really think so? I think he I feels guilty. I absolutely fucking think so. I don't look. I, I give Sebastian no inches. I told you this week I cannot with him. And <laughs> I, there is no point where I feel sorry for him. And you just wait till I, what I have to say at the end. You just fucking wait. Okay. So the next morning, um, Annette leaves Aunt Helen's place to go stay with some friends. And um, Catherine wakes up Sebastian and basically mocks him for... See, this this is why I think he gained a conscience because Catherine... Because if it was just part of the game, then he would have said that. Whereas she's like, well, did you fuck her? And he's like, no, I could have, but I didn't. And she's like, you fucking pains the ass. Like, you know, because Catherine gives him shit for it. Okay, so let me let me rephrase what I said. Then, like as far as the story goes, like I believe it, but I don't think it's real, and I don't think that's how it would ever really fucking go. Oh no! In real like, life, no. The Sebastian is a character, ladies, and it's yeah. never really going to go down like this. Yeah. No, I'll give you that. Like, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. In the in the land of this screenplay, that's I guess what was the character's intent? Yes. <laughs> Would that really be the kid? No. <laughs> um, you know what bugs me? I point this out just because this is a clear. This is the second instance, second if not third, that we see Catherine is at Aunt Helen's house. Right. Mm-hmm. At the end of the movie, when her and Annette talk, they act like they've never met. Thank you. I actually wrote something about that down. Yeah, it makes no sense. She was at, did she just like, well, I get, to be fair, Anne Helen's house is like a huge fucking estate. So I guess it's possible she could have been there and never crossed the net's path. But it's still weird. Mm-hmm. Very unlikely. Yeah. 
Um, so he hops in his car to chase after her and he calls Greg and Greg tells her, tells him that she, um, go to Penn station. So he meets her at Penn station and like meets her at the top of this escalator. We see the slow panning shot of him coming into frame to what's the song that's playing. It's colorblind. I think, um, and she's like, I'm impressed. And he's like, well, I'm in love. What? <laughs> Gag me. So cheesy. And then they fuck. And here's the thing about that. Neither look like they are enjoying themselves. <laughs> That's some real shit right there. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, true. But like, don't you think that's weird? Uh, I don't know. I guess I don't know what they were trying to say. Or maybe it was just bad acting. But they fuck in real life. Maybe it's one of those things. It's kind of like what they said on Friends, where if people have chemistry in real life, they don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Um. Wow, we've already been talking about this movie for an hour. Um. Uh, what happens? They fuck. It doesn't look fun, frankly. Um, <laughs> they fuck. There's your, there's your promo. <laughs> they fuck. It doesn't look fun. <laughs> yeah, straight people, whatever. Um, he goes home. Where, where did they fuck? I don't know what the fucking timeline is or where they were or what happened. He, they, it shows him like the next day coming home with a bouquet of flowers, presumably for Annette. And Catherine is in her room fucking Ronald, and Sebastian interrupts them. And Ronald's like, Y'all are fucked up. And he <laughs> leaves. <laughs> and he's in the tiniest little panties. You notice how, how tiny his little undies are? I did. <laughs> I like, Yes, yes, I did. Um, but. Catherine, technically, technically, Sebastian won their bet. So Catherine, like, makes a pass at him to fuck, and he turns her down, and she is not happy. And she wings a vase at his fucking head. <laughs> um, but Catherine fucks with his head and is basically like, you know, you just or basically destroyed this girl's reputation it you know either way you both lose either you guys are a couple now and your reputation is shot and you're going to be her little pet or she's going to look like a slut because she fucked you who's a big man whore like basically gets into his head and she totally has a point like Mm -hmm. the idea the idea of them actually of being successful couple in the reality of their school life probably wouldn't have worked out. Um, her dad wouldn't have approved. It would have been a big mess. Um, so now that he's all up in his head about it, he goes to Annette to break up with her and she can tell it's bullshit because he's trying the whole, it's like when you try are mean to a dog to get it to run away. 
Mm-hmm. She's like, you know, you were just a conquest, blah, blah, blah. But the whole time he's saying it, he's crying. And she's like, look at you. You're shaking. Like, you, this isn't really, this isn't real. Tell me what's really going on. Um, and they, he like goes and like to touch her arm and she yells at him. And she's like, don't fucking touch me. And she slaps him. And that slap was unscripted. Uh, Reese and Ryan, yeah, Reese and Ryan were so into their scene that she slapped him unexpectedly, and uh, Philippe's reaction is genuine. And he was so into the scene that right after um, they called cut, he went outside the set and th- threw up because he was so rattled by having such an intense scene with his partner, his real oh, partner. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and that that scene is in the final cut is from that impromptu slap. I guess because um, they live these glamorous lives and have money and speak like grown-ass people, I think I let it slip too easily that they're just fucking kids. Yeah. Like, because I get so annoyed. I'm like, why is he so easily swayed? Like, because he's 17 yeah. and he thinks with his dick. That's why. Like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. And, I mean, he's worked so long for this identity that he has, this reputation. Mm-hmm. You know? It's one thing to fall in love and want to be with somebody, but when being with somebody, you have to like fundamentally change who you are as a person to do so. That's scary. Yeah. Um. So he goes back to Catherine and is like, you know, I broke up with her. You win. Um. And they toast. Well, they they toast, and he, and she says to my triumph, and he's like, okay, to your triumph over Annette, and he's she like, no, no, my triumph over you, and she points out how she just totally fucked with his head, and she was like, you were very much in love with her, and I convinced you to destroy it, like, I complete, I won because I made you unhappy, <laughs> basically. Um. Isn't this where she was just like, you know, we're both pieces of shit, and at least I have the guts to admit it. Yeah, basically. Which, again, Team Catherine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Own it, bitch. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. Like, she probably felt a kinship with Sebastian. Um, are you still there? Mm-hmm. Okay. I couldn't hear your fan for a second, so I thought I lost you. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, but she probably felt a kinship with him. And, you know, she wasn't just losing him to Annette as, like, boyfriend-girlfriend. But she saw that she was going to lose someone who was so similar to her because he was going to change by being with Annette. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so it fucked with her head too, I think. Um, so he realizing what that he had made a mistake, he tries to go and talk to Annette. She won't come to the phone. She won't come to the door. So he gives her. He leaves at her place um, a note. And his journal for her. And he like apologizes in the letter. And admits to you know. What had happened. 
And the journal outlines the whole details of everything about Catherine, about who she really is as a person, the bet that they had, everything. So now Annette knows the truth. And you see him like up all night on the sidewalk under her window, watching her like read the journal and he's just waiting for her. Um, and Catherine, meanwhile, calls Ronald, who's in bed with a Cecile. Cecile's asleep. Which, where does Cecile's mom think she is? Well, she's nice. sleeping with Ronald. Whatever. Incompetent parents uh, throughout this whole movie. Um, but she tells Ronald that Sebastian hit her and took off. Excuse me. And convinces him to come over and is to tell her about the details about Sebastian and Cecile too. Excuse me. So, um, originally there was a, a scene filmed where Sebastian does hit her. Um, but it was deleted. So it looks like she's lying to Ronald to get him riled up, to get him to go after Sebastian. Right. Which I guess is more makes her look more like a villain and makes um, Sebastian look more sympathetic. But I kind of wish they had left it in because I'm Team Catherine and (laughs) they had to to rewrite the damn movie to make him look good because he's full of fucking shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So Ronald tracks Sebastian down. Sebastian's still like outside Annette's place. And he f- tracks him down. How he found him, I have no idea. Manhattan's pretty big. And he's just like tracked uh-huh. him down. And they get into a fight. And Annette runs outside and tries to break them up. Um, but Annette falls into traffic. And um, Sebastian gets up and runs out into the street to save her from getting hit by a car and he gets hit instead and he she's holding his hand and he's like I love you Annette and he's like I love you too and then he he dies which it doesn't even look like he got hit I mean yeah it's bad but like some broken bones maybe the fact that that killed him is crazy right like if you're sitting there having a conversation I feel like it's something that maybe we could have rushed him to the hospital for but I don't know. Right. It'd be one thing if you like snapped your neck and died instantly, but he's like laying there talking. <laughs> Ugh. I don't know. Whatever. Um, originally, in the original script, um, he just kind of like accidentally stumbles into traffic because he's like, Annette is on the other side of the road and calls for him and he like goes to cross the street and gets hit. But they changed it to make him look more like a hero. Blah, 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 blah. See? <laughs> yeah. So the next day, or not the next day, but seemingly whenever school starts, they have a memorial in Sebastian's honor at the school. And Catherine is in the bathroom doing coke and preparing her, for her speech for his memorial service. And um, Annette is in there and they are, they're both bullshit and they're, you know, Introducing you to each other, each other, but not knowing how much the other person knows about one another. Mm-hmm. And so Catherine goes and starts giving her speech, 
And it's like a really shitty speech, too. It's like kind of fucked up. This is her brother's memorial service. And she's basically talking about how great she is and how awful he is, mm-hmm. was. Um, but her speech gets interrupted by all these people starting to get up and start to leave. And she's like, what the fuck are you people doing? So she storms out. And outside, Cecile is passing out copies of Sebastian's journal. Which exposes Catherine as the, you know, awesome bitch that she is. (laughs) And the headmaster comes and opens up her little Coke crucifix. So she gets busted for that. And it's all silent. Until it's not. (gasps) What? I started singing the end. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) It's, what is that, Bittersweet Symphony by the Verve? Yeah. It's like the best ending in like yeah. ever. It's like top three. Great, great use of music in this movie. Um, yeah, there's no dialogue. It's just the bittersweet symphony over playing over Catherine crying. And then um one apparently one version of the screenplay had an ending where Annette, instead of publishing the journal and crushing Catherine keeps it to herself and announces her cruel intentions, pun intended, to play games on Catherine under the threat of revealing the contents. So there was a different ending where she's kind of blackmails her, which is kind of cool. I don't Um, think that's something she would do. No, which I mean, no. No, but I kind of like the idea of her, of Annette becoming a bad person. Becoming Sebastian, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think that would have been interesting. Um, But the movie ends with Annette driving off in Sebastian's car, uh, holding the journal in the passenger seat. And explain to me how she gets the car. (laughs) Uh, Right. I think she just takes it. She must. Like, (laughs) I just imagine him laying in the road dying. He's like, I love you, Annette. You can have my Jaguar. Yeah. Yeah. She's like looking around. She's like, did everybody hear that? <laughs> I get the Jaguar. He said it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the end. Um, the movie had a prequel in 2001 called Cruel Intentions 2, which actually was just made up of three episodes of a failed TV series called Manchester Prep that was originally okay. going to air on Fox. Hmm. Um, I have not seen it. Um, it play it stars Amy Adams as a young Catherine, which I cannot see at all. Ew. Yeah, Amy Adams to me is too sweet to play Catherine. Yeah. Any version. Um, and then there in 2004 there was a sequel, um, Cruel Intentions 3, uh, which apparently is about Catherine's cousin. Also have not seen it. They were both direct to video. Um in 2015-2016, um, NBC started working on a series about Annette and Sebastian's son. So, in this universe, Annette got knocked up by that one <laughs> one time they had sex. And 17 years later, their son finds his dad's journal. And they even had Sarah Michelle Gellar in talks of reprising her role as Catherine. But it, it never got made nbc ended up passing on the idea and then in 
October of 2021, they announced that a reboot series was in development for IMDb TV. And I don't know where that stands. I don't know if that's still going to be a thing or not. Huh. I mean, if it does become a thing, I'll watch it. Sure, why not? It was also turned into an off-Broadway musical. It was a 90s jukebox musical with, like, popular 90s songs and songs from the soundtrack. I tried to listen to the the off-Broadway soundtrack today, and I made it through one and a half songs before I wanted to <laughs> blow my brains out. And, <laughs> and I don't know how tongue-in-cheek it was supposed to be. I don't know if it was supposed to be bad. You know how sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure that was their intention. They wanted it to suck. Well, you know what I mean. You can make like a tongue-in-cheek, like musical yeah. version of something. Yeah. But the thing is, the guy who wrote and directed the movie was involved in this play. So I, I kind of don't imagine him seeing it as tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? I need to see if I can find a video of it somewhere because... Oof, that recording was rough. Um, the budget of the movie was $10.5 million. And the worldwide box office was a little over $76 million. So that's pretty wow. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool intentions. Um, do you have any final thoughts? I don't know. I just, I'm just happy for her that he died. Like, <laughs> seriously, like, he's only a hero because he's dead. And I'm especially pissed now because they rewrote everything to make him look good. When I know right. in the beginning, you can't just, there is a point where he says to her, I pride myself in taking joy and making other people miserable. Now, you expect mm-hmm. for me to believe that that's not just in your DNA at 17 years old and you're just going to fucking. Tomorrow, you're just going to be the best husband ever. Fuck off. No. Right. It might take you a couple days. Yep. and He might even think he's really in love. He might really think it. Three days from now, his dick's going to be somewhere else. Like, that's just how yep. it is. So, she got the best of him, and I'm happy for her, because that would have just went... Yep. <laughs> it's true. He would have knocked up his sister, and it would have just been all bad. You said at the beginning that you had something you wanted to say about John Malkovich. Oh, I don't even remember what scene. And I think it's the scene where... Maybe where they're plotting the scheme. But, like, I swear to God, there are times when I think that that's what he's trying to do. He's being John Malkovich. Yes. Like, it's so right on to Dangerous Liaisons. Like, just John Malkovich in general. I'm like, is that what you did? Did you just watch the movie a bunch of times? <laughs> I mean, bless Ryan Philippe's heart. He's not the greatest actor in the world, so I wouldn't put it past him. He doesn't have to be. He's cute. He's very pretty. He looks great right now, too, now that he's like older and more rugged. Oh, see, I prefer him old, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like that, though. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean... John Malkovich. I just whatever. It's been a long time since I've seen Dangerous Liaisons. I want to watch Valmont again, to be honest. I wonder if that's streaming anywhere. Well, I actually have Dangerous Liaisons. I might have to watch it. Oh, nice. That's one of the <laughs> first that's one of, I think the first Blu-ray that I ever bought. Really? Uh-huh. 
That's crazy. I buy shit you would never expect. <laughs> Makes me think of friends. It's like, what's Rachel's favorite movie? Dangerous Liaisons. What is her actual favorite movie? We got it, Bernie's. <laughs> Which I find funny because do you like that movie? Have you ever even? What, We got it, Bernie's? Yeah. Yeah, we used to watch it all the time when we were kids. I just, uh, I never cared for it. I never got it. I, mean, I like I the second it. one better, I think. Yeah, yeah, I do too. But I just, I don't know. I'm like, I don't get the big deal about this movie. It's kind of yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty stupid. I actually do prefer Dangerous Liaisons. Over. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's Good. <sighs> well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, if you go look in the episode description, you will find our link tree link, and that will take you to our social media pages. Um, you will also find our support page in the description where you can help us by supporting the pod with a one-time donation or sign up for a monthly patronage. Uh, please share the show with your friends and come back and see us in the next episode. So thank you again to Lacey for joining me. Thanks. It's fun. And until next time, we are the weirdos, mister. <laughs>